entertain you on a giant screen with a few colorful motion pictures you've been hearing about and reading it's about. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. We're delighted to have you with us. They're driving theater. You'll find something to please you to add to your evening's enjoyment. It's pleased to bring you our Fifi feature presentation. Station. What's up, everybody? It is Monday night. We're back. It is uh, what is today? Is December twenty seventh? Yeah. All right, we're we're here. We're live. We are broadcasting to you via the power of the internet. We've got so many things uh, you can check us out on. You can check us out on YouTube Live, Facebook Live, Twitch Live. Um, I mean, it's, it's always live, I guess, on Twitch. Um, or oh, there's replays. Yeah, they're not as cool, then though. you don't get to see Vince insert his rock emote thanks to a subscription with the wings. With the wings. That was sick. Fly away rock. Um, or you could just download this wherever you get your podcasts. So if you're if you're listening to this later down the road in audio format, we thank you as well. Uh, already some shout-outs. Adam over there on the YouTubes. Uh, Vince over there on the Twitches. How's it going, guys? Thanks for tuning in. It's been, it's the holiday weekend is over. It's done. We 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 made it through. We saw almost all of the big Hollywood um, studio releases for Christmas. I saw, we're going to be talking about The King's Man. Mm. We're going to be talking about The Matrix, Resurrections. We're going to be talking about The Licorice Pizzas. We're just going to be talking about movies and movies and movies. Um, yeah, so. The one thing I didn't get to do... Is watch uh, any of the new Karate Kid season? Oh, did it get dropped? I think Cobra Kai came out, didn't Man, it? Man, well, see, I'm still catching up on Witcher season three. I got distracted two. by it's on or two. part two because I got distracted by Lock and Key, um, which I don't know how I missed that one. That was a lot of fun. Um, Tony says hello, hello. Heard you had a moving picture to tell so tell you guys about, and we are going to tell you about three moving pictures. Um, it's going to be a full show, just like Vince said. And uh, happy holidays to you as well, Adam. And uh, speaking of holidays, um, we've got our, our fruit and nut cake here that we're going to be enjoying and, and splitting here on the show. Uh, Anna Marie's Gourmet Nut Cake. Uh, for those of you that that uh, love to tune in, we've got um, a, a delicious gourmet nut cake. We'd be nuts because of all this cake. Um, or something to that effect. It's brought to you by the Drive-In Speaker Box or something. I don't know. How do how do ads work? How do we get paid for saying stuff like this? <laughs> you have to contact the company first. Anna Mary, um, if you're watching, um, give us money. Uh, <laughs> actually, they're from Huntsville, Arkansas. So she's probably racist and we shouldn't eat these. Uh, um, that's uh, that's Harrison, <laughs> not Huntsville. That's, oh, that's generally right. associated Pretty with close. That. And, Pretty close. Pretty uh, close. Uh, well, that's this is local, dude. So that's I know. That's, yeah, don't hate on our local viewing audience. Well, then Aunt, Aunt Mary, maybe you are watching. I don't know. Um, but it is it is a gift giving season, and you had already given me uh, your your gifts, but I was like, I'm going to give you um, yours on the show because oh, that's yeah. fun. So um, uh, yeah, let me reach over into my my bag I'm, and, and give you one of two. One um, of two. So this is Dang. this is one. That's a big puffy bag. It is a big puffy bag. Am I supposed to pop this open in front of all of her? Yeah, you gotta viewers? you gotta open it and and you know you gotta 
you got to unwrap the magic. Vince says he's been to Huntsville, Alabama, and plenty of races there. I, well, yeah, I know, because I lived in Decatur as a child. Um, be careful. Don't pop. Don't break it. Um, Velvet Santa says get some manscaping keeps the sponsorship. Yeah, we need to, we need to <laughs> shave, our, one of those shave our balls and be like, well, let's just talk to you How do they know her. that you really did it? I don't know. That's a different stream. Uh, to severed head, uh, Velvet Santa's going to be very upset. I will show the audience. <laughs> It's I see why you wanted to give it to me on this show. It's a pillow. Yeah. For your... Says, for just a boy who loves anime and, and ramen. Then <laughs> you can have it on your couch. Wow. And, you know, when you're when you're sitting there eating ramen it's the, and... Uh, it's just the best when, <laughs> when the gift's a personal attack. <laughs> well, and here's one that, that is not a personal attack. Oh, an elf costume. Yeah, it's a couple of elf hats. No, it's wrapped in elf hats. I didn't think you had that one. What? Yeah. Okay, sick. So, before I unveil this, I was just talking about this at my family Christmas yesterday. Uh-huh. Um, we got together with extended family, and uh, someone else had found some of the, some of these, and I was like, yeah, I found this one and that one. I really hope that this one exists, uh, and this is one of the big ones that I was like, I, I hope they make this one because I want it. It's the Riddler. Frank Gorshin Riddler. That is sick. So, so you're lucky because when I, because I bought, I bought my uncle the Batman and Batmobile, and when I was looking around, I saw multiple others. I didn't. There was that was only one of those, and I got that one. Yeah, I was well, like, so Jake me and David had one. talked about it too. So that's the whole thing. Uh, I found the uh, Funko or McFarlane is doing these. Mm-hmm. So McFarlane has gotten the mold. Uh, and the licensing to make the 60s Batmobile. And it's the same one I played with at my granny's house when I was a kid. Like, the 1960s Batmobile toy. And they've replicated it exactly. But they also have Adam West Batman, Burt Ward Robin, and the Cesar Romero. They got a bunch of versions of them wearing, like, swim trunks, too. which is Yes, I got that one the other day. Mm-hmm. I got Batman in swim trunks and, and Joker in his, uh, in his, like, Ninja Turtles bandana. Mm. But I was like, oh, I really hope there's a Frank Gorshin Riddler and a Julie Newmar Catwoman. Didn't see any Catwoman. If there's a so. Catwoman, I need it. So I like Vince's comment here on Twitch. He goes, that's a stay-in-the-box toy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely, just like the others. So I have the variants, and I have the Batmobile, and I have the Batcave. They have a Batcave set up, uh, and now I have Riddler. That is actually super sick. Thanks, dude. You're welcome. He's going to go next to the other ones to never leave the box. The best part, though, is if you ever do open them, they have these little sound effects that you attach to their arms. And so you can have Batman punch the villains, and it goes, wham, blammo, socko. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. That's sick, dude. Very cool. Gifts. I hope there's a Catwoman now, so I can. I, well, you'd think there would and be. And a penguin. I need. The I penguin. need a Burgess Meredith penguin. Yeah, I know the Burgess Meredith penguin would be super sick, uh, but we'll see. I don't know. Those are pretty. Those are pretty sweet. I have and to a, admit. A submarine playset from the Batman, oh, the Batman movie, movie, where mm-hmm. they're all on the submarine and they have the crown drawings and all the world's leaders get turned into powder and then reassembled and they speak each other's languages and robin's like maybe it's for the best because now they'll have to learn to get along batman mm-hmm. and the dolphin jumps in front of him to save him from a torpedo 
Speaking of dolphins saving things, I rewatched Johnny Mnemonic the other day. I forgot how well that movie holds up. Not only is it amazing 90s internet, um, which is like my favorite genre, <laughs> like 90s cyberpunk internet, but it's so relevant. I mean, it's based on a William Gibson uh, short story, and you know he wrote uh, Neuromancer back in you know, 1979 or whatever it was. And uh, now, you know, I, I rewatched Johnny Mnemonic. It's like, my God, that movie holds up better now than it did then. Um, you think so? I think so. Well, because so many of the stuff is rel- more relevant now about corporations taking over and, and holding the cure f- uh, from a population of people that are dying from a pandemic uh, and trying to make money off of it. And, uh, you know, we're all tapping into electronics. And it's like, oh, man, this is way more relevant now than it was in the 90s. Uh, Hannah says, oh, why do the sound like- effects attached to the arms specifically? That's what I was just looking at because I read that go- comment and everything. Bam, it's because it's bam. they hit them. Biff. Bam. But Velvet Santa says, my brain needs more gigabytes. I want to say it was like 320 gigs or whatever. That oh, and Johnny Mnemonic? It was yeah. not very much. Well, I mean, three. That's all, I mean, that's still a lot by, you know, I mean, that's that's more than a thumb drive these days. Yeah, but they've done, um, scientists have done research on like how much data. Oh, our your, brains could hold everything. Your like cells and stuff contain your like um, no. DNA and all that. It's, yeah. yeah, not to turn this into Science Friday, but I was listening to Science Friday, and they were talking about how um, DNA data storage is something that a lot of people are are are, are experimenting on right now. And of mm-hmm. course, this wouldn't be like you know real; it'd be it'd be artificially created DNA. But they're talking about how much information is 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 kept in the double helix and the nucleotides of DNA, and they're saying that like of all the world's like computing and and, and data centers and all of this kind of stuff, we could hold all of it. You know, in in a handful of DNA than it than all of these data centers all over the world with all these these powers. Well, and at one point in time, they also said it was impossible to fill a gigabyte. So, and also once upon a time, they were saying that the Sega Genesis blast processing was as good as it was ever going to get. Which right. is, so. I mean, there's some probably but truth there. Sounds like uh, Matrix or um, there's another one. Uh, like that that I just had in my mind and I can't think of it now because mine can't hold that much information. It's too full of virtuosity, long too much man, nonsense, all that good good nineties internet. Uh, Hack the planet. Oh, Voyager. Uh, the oh, ship Star has Trek. yeah. The ship has like the living. Oh, it has uh, the biometric gel. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that stuff's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, the, the secrets in us, guys. We're gonna be we're gonna be wet wired. Isn't that what they call it? Like in the in the uh, in the cyberpunk, we're gonna be we're gonna be cyborgs, much like in Alien. You know, like Bishop. Uh, where's my? Was mean we're gonna we got Bishop. He's right up gonna there. Start spitting milk. That's Bishop. When they get punched or or cut in half, just spit milk. like yeah. like um, purple milk or Luke Skywalker milk or whatever. No, that was from titty milk. Yeah, walrus. Weird no, you teats. know, like in the first, the first, um, you know, the first uh, Star Wars where they have those like tall Collins cup Tupperware Collins cups, and she's like putting rutabagas or something in like a, a you know the Mr. Fusion from mm-hmm. Back to the Future and it's going and like milky goo comes out and they sit at the table like I'm I don't know about you but I'm always fascinated by movie food especially fantasy movie food like Hook movie food and Star Wars movie food Dude, and anything food and Hook. Studio Ghibli movie food oh, anime wow. movie food like 
dude, movie food is it just makes you want it in in a weird like anything that uh, Miyazaki has drawn is delicious. Like in the way yeah. that he draws food and eggs, the way that just, cartoon meat <sighs> always looks because it's like not real and it's perfect. And it, the bone and just the slab of meat and God. it looks like the best thing. Looks yeah. so good. I just want anime food. Um, <clears throat> Vince is speaking of titty milk. I found out <laughs> over Christmas that my mom has seen Empire uh, and Jedi, but not A New Hope. Good grief. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Velvet. Skip the boring one. Go straight to the action. Gee, Mom, you sure know how to hydrate a pizza. Yeah, that, that dehydrated pizza had pizza in Back to the Future 2. Looked so good. This and big. Adam's yeah. like the hook neon food. And for the longest time, like, that's the first time you ever hear or read or see Thudbutt's name. Like, they never refer to him as Thudbutt, except for on the wheel of cheese that's going over the panoramic, like, buffet table that they imagine. And it has his face. And for for the longest time before, you know, because the first time I watched it was on, like, TV and then VHS, and so I used the VHS to stop it, and of course it's not like a crystal clear picture, and it looked like Mudbutt, and I thought his name was Mudbutt. I'm pretty sure that one kid says it in the background, but it's covered up by, like, Mudbutt. Yeah. But I always thought his name was Mudbutt, because I stopped the wheel of cheese. It might be with all that imaginary food they eat. It looks like mud butt. Yeah, it's uh, all goop. Hannah says, what's your take on Quentin Tarantino movie food? And then Vince follows up with that Royale with cheese and $5 milkshake looked great. Um, you know, Quentin Tarantino's movie food, I mean, it, it's based in real life. Like, I think, you know, fantasy movie food has a whole different sort of allure to it because it's exotic and you can't eat it and even though you want it. You know, I mean, like, like... Or it could be like Empire Strikes Back where it's just a... S- compressed stick of of wood grain or whatever desert that grain. Was. Yeah, it's yeah, it's not a- even good enough for a guy that's been trapped on a swamp planet for thirty years or whatever. It's just like got back from Tashi Station and he just wants a cold glass of like dirt milk. Nah, I mean, yeah, kind of want it. Like, I mean, I've never had it. It's it's the allure of the unknown, you know. It's fun. I don't know, but Quentin Tarantino, it's all real food. It's not like a Royale with cheese. It's just a it's just a quarter pounder, dude. But and in quarter, France, and McDonald's is gross, except for their fries and nuggies. Their burgers hadn't been good in a long time. Um, Vincent, sorry, it was the burger at Jack Rabbit Slim's, not Royale. Jack Rabbit Slim's was that the diner that they were sitting into, and he was like, "Yeah, get the wild out." It's the one that says "bad motherfucker" on it. Um, I don't know. I don't like Tarantino movies. Well, Tarantino. How would it stack against a movie burger and a movie shake from uh, from the View Askew universe? Good burger. Oh, nothing's gonna be better than Good Burger except for Mondo Burger. Welcome to Good Burger. Home and then they the find out burger. that Mondo Burger is super processed, and that's gross. Or what about the Leaning Tower of Cheesa? Or anything from the Goofy movie? Like Goofy movie food looks really good. Hi anyway. Dad soup makes you sad. Hi Dad soup. Oh my God, that does make me. But sad. the the cheese on the pizza though, mm-hmm. when they're at the, at the Mermaid Hotel, yeah. All right, all right. Yeah. Vince has never seen Good Burger. Well, you're not, Un- you're not missing much. What? I mean, it's okay. It's Bro, it has Abe Vigoda. It has George Clinton in it. It's all right. 
It's all right. Well, is there any news that we should be talking about? Uh, nothing um, I know of. I, I mean, oh, I s- a slow news week. I skimmed. Spider-Man's making tons of money. Big news. Yeah, I skimmed the news this week and um, not a whole lot of humongous uh, stuff because it's, you know, it's been Christmas week. Really, the news is the fact that... Um, Spider-Man made a lot of money. Uh, a lot of people went out and saw that. I mean, everybody's going, theaters are back, baby. I mean, the theaters this week, the box office, um, this week the top three movies combined made over $110, $115 million this weekend, which is yeah. very huge. Spider-Man crossed the billion mark it worldwide. Worldwide. Yeah. A billy, billy, billy. Uh, Velvet Santis's West Side Story officially a box office bomb. You don't say. Could have saw that coming. Um, you know, Sing. I mean, you had an insane amount of openings. You had Sing 2, Matrix Reservations, uh, King's Man, American Underdog, Journal for Jordan. I mean, it's just all of this, all of these, these openings. And uh, yeah, crazy, a crazy time to be alive. Uh, and Omicron. I just want to point out that Vince said he wants to eat pizza the hut. Pizza, you delicious baby. <laughs> he did look extra cheesy. He was good enough to eat that when he got locked in his limo, he ate himself to death. Mm, so no one out pizzas the hut. Yeah, but then Vinny was sitting there licking the cheese off his face. Uh, fun facts: Dom DeLuise was in a suit made of hot melting pizza. Like they put a suit on him and then just melted pizza on the outside. So he was in there just like being steamed to death. In real hot pizza. That's why so. it looks so good, you know? Um, you know, it, No, Pizza Hut does not look good. Pizza Hut looks disgusting. Well, it's fun It's fun to see how the certain actors uh, will will go the extra mile just for for, for authenticity's mm-hmm. sake, you know, like Dom or, or like we were talking about last week with Willem Dafoe and, and Tom Cruise and all these people that are like, we're doing it live. Yeah, d- and, don't tell Tom Cruise he can't do something. He's like, I will cover myself in molten cheese. God damn it. I don't care what your insurance plan says. Um, but uh, speaking of insurance plans, did you hear about, like, uh, <laughs> you know, the king of insurance plans, Jackie Chan? They were talking about all the new cameos that could possibly happen in a new season of Cobra Kai. And uh, they were like, Oh, because hey. the Karate Kid movie. Yeah, and they were like, Let's well, just pretend like. But they said it probably wouldn't fit because it's a different. It's not the. It's not the the universe. It has nothing to do with Miyagi. But then they were talking about, but Hillary Swank would be a good. Keep I'm like, that no. next Karate Kid horse shit out of my Cobra Kai. But I, I would Hillary Swank do it? I think she'd have to. Yeah, I mean everyone else has, but the next Karate Kid's just such garbage. Well, yeah, I don't want that. Nobody Except Miyagi that. does like catch that arrow and he's like get that out of here and she's like whoa superpowers because that monk's like murder time and Miyagi's like no thanks out of here and he's like now go stand on the beach and, and Hillary <laughs> Swank's like is this how you learn karate yeah for for such a pacifist Miyagi was a pretty badass dude um I feel like I'm wearing my Miyagi shirt I feel like this like, is the longest we've gone saying the word Miyagi and you haven't done the Miyagi. Well, the Sato Miyagi? Yeah. Well, now I guess I have to. <laughs> Miyagi. Yeah. yeah it's so Smacking good. that log. Sato. Uh, Surf Ninjas crossover would be sick, Velvet Santa. Surf Ninja is probably the best movie ever put to film. Big what about fans. Strike Back? That's three ninjas. Oh, what about? Are you talking surf? Surf ninjas. ninjas. Oh, Kwan Su, dudes. 
All right. Well, let's let's talk about uh, Surf Ninjas. Let's talk about what's episode. coming out in theaters this week because not a whole lot of movies are coming out in this week because we've got a lot of movies to review, so we need to jump right into this thing. But coming out this week from director Joe Wright. Everybody likes Joe Wright, uh, and everybody likes Peter Dinklage uh, because the old Dink. Not only is he a super fun, cool dude, but he's also a really amazing actor. And everybody thinks like, oh well, it's because he's just so unique looking. This dude has. Has been acting for such a long time and playing really memorable roles and not just roles that are just gimmick because he's tiny he's actually a really good dramatic actor and he is taking on a new tale or a new telling of the Cyrano de Bergerac story and uh, this is a this is a, a, a you know a story that's been done multiple times in uh, multiple movies I mean you remember uh, what was the most ridiculous one it was um, uh, Roxanne, I believe, was that with with Steve Martin. Steve Martin, and he actually had the big dumbass nose, which just was silly. Uh, but I like how this one they're using, you know, a different, you know, f- physical abnormality to uh, tell the story that's not like this humongous schnoz uh, that was in the original. But uh, but this is also a period piece. Roxanne was not. Roxanne was set in modern day, which was like the late '80s or early '90s. I can't remember when. But um, but this looks pretty good. I mean, Joe Wright's, a, you know, he's a pretty competent director. I think visually it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and if you're into this sort of a drama period period piece and tale of classic romance, um, then, yeah, you'll, you'll have a thing to watch. Uh, but that's really all that's coming out because there's so much in the theater right now. So many movies that they're wanting to have a little bit of breathing room. Licorice Pizza got a wider release. You've got all of these different things um, in theaters. And uh, yeah, they got they got to have those a little more soaking time, air them out just a little bit, just a little bit, a little bit of air out. Just get them. But that's what's coming out this weekend. You can check that out. Um, so with that out of the way, let's go ahead and start reviewing the movies that we saw this week because we've got a bunch. We've got a bunch. And I think I'm going to just start with The King's Man, and then we'll turn it over to you for Matrix, mm. and I'll finish it up with Licorice Piazza. Um, the King's Man, uh, you know, of course, uh, like many movies that that, that took place uh, are filming in 2020 have been been pushed back, pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. Um, you know, Velvet Santa saying with on-demand services, movies is really bring it to get me out of the house, which um, is sad, is really really sad because. You know, I think that it's going to cause a really detrimental sort of trend in filmmaking where people are not going to make interesting and challenging movies because that same mentality, they go, well, we got to just blow it out of the water to get people into the theater because everybody doesn't want to put their shoes on now. So we're just going to make the dumbest, lowest common denominator, clickbaity bullshit um, no the, cerebral anything. Nope, we're just going to put all the Spider-Man in it uh, because you know that that's what you want. We're just going to fan service your freaking 
shoes on. That's what we're gonna do, and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're, we're and 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 the thing is, is like you know, we're perpetuate by, by by watching all these things on demand and by not going out, we're perpetuating this 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 um, causality of movies that we all hate. Like we're like, why don't they make better movies? And it's like, well, because you're sitting at home streaming them. You're not going out and throwing money at the theater, and they're they're just gonna churn out the the absolute lowest common denominator because that's the only thing that's gonna drag people out of the theater. And we're seeing it right now. With spider-man i enjoyed spider-man i really did is it an intelligent movie absolutely not did it make me think no it did not did it sell me a bunch of popcorn absolutely did it sell a, an entire world a bunch of popcorn absolutely did did they plan on making this like brilliant overarching storyline over you know 20 years of spider-man hell no they looked at the floor they looked at all our toys on the floor and go fuck it put them all in there and uh they're like they like all this shit put it all in the same movie and then they're gonna go Bwah! and that's exactly what we all did and you know they're doing it with matrix they're doing it with fast and furious they're doing it with everything that you think that you like they're just gonna go well now that spider-man did it we're just gonna go collect all the shit that you liked and we're gonna put it all in one movie and then you're we're gonna get your money and then we're gonna have to figure out how to do it all over again mm. and um the King's Man is a little bit different because this is a sequel to what was becoming a somewhat popular franchise um, with, you know, Joel Eger Eger Egerton, Egerton. Egerton. And um, this goes back and is like the, you know, origin story. Of, but his first name is Joel? Is it Joel? No, I'm thinking of... Um, uh, what the other something Egerton? I'm thinking Joel Edgerton. Um, I'm getting. Hey, I don't have notes. This is all off the top of my dome, you guys. Um, anyway, it, it, it's it's Matthew Vaughn going back to sort of the st start of this, where it follows um, Ray Fiennes, who I'll watch him in any movie as Orlando Oxford, the original gentleman. And this is taking place at the sort of precipice to World Oxford's War One. Not brogues, bruv. It's true. There you go. They're not rogues. Um, and it, it, it takes um, a, a place right 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 as World War One is about to start, you know, and everybody's heard the story of, you know, Archduke Ferdinand getting assassinated and it started World War One and got all this kind of stuff. And and this plays with this realism of what happened in in reality and says, Okay, let's make a hyper, you know, uh, exaggerated reality out of all this stuff if there's there's more fun, you know, shadow works going on with a secret evil villain association and all this kind of stuff. And you get some really interesting performances from uh, um, Riz Ifan. He plays Rasputin, which was was probably the most engaging performance of the movie, even though he's not the main villain. This this movie it, it kind of sidetracked me because the trailer was trying to sell me a third Kingsman which is like the way that the original two went, which was kind of over the top with Samuel Jackson blowing people's heads up into streams of confetti, you know, and it's over the top full of sexual innuendo and tongue in cheek jokes and kind of turning, you know, all of the, um, 
uh, 007 tropes on there on its head. And this was like, no, let's do kind of an, a larger than life period piece about the start of World War One. And there's some serious tragedy going on in here. There's some uh, stakes that are relatively high. There's not as much humor as you'd think there would be given a Kingsman film. And it starts to deal with a lot of different things. Um, like I think a lot of movies feel like they have to about sexism and racism and gender equality and all of these mo- things that are in every single movie right now. In the um, 19-teens. Right. And, and, and sort of correcting the lens of history. And I, and I say this because The Kingsman makes a movie about the 19-teens as if it's 2021, whereas Licorice Pizza, which I'm going to be talking about later, makes a movie about the 70s. And everybody's pissed off about it because it's like the 70s. And everyone's like, no, you can't say those things are bad. But, you know, I'll tell you right now, in the 19-teens, um, a lot of stuff that happened in the Kingsman would have not been the way they happened in the Kingsman. Um, anyway, didn't mean it was any less fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, it, it, it was it was Ray Fiennes uh, and Jim Hansu and Jim Arterton being a badass trio of crime-fighting British people that somehow had access to really awesome, elaborate things. There wasn't a lot of insane technology. Um, you know, they were kind of going with original World War One sort of stuff. They're like, look at this. It's a new thing called a parachute. And then they made, like, this weird, crazy, insane stunt scene with this parachute. Um you know, and if you like that kind of stuff, it's fun. Um, I I enjoyed it. I didn't I didn't get as uh, enamored with it as I did the first two. And I think mm. that that this movie probably, I mean, it fits in a Kingsman story because they didn't have all the gadgets and gizmos that they did in you know the twenty you know the 2020s or 20 teens versions but uh but it is interesting to see how how it all played out and and fast forward future as you know it to to be what it is um there was they, they they there was a lot of sort of um mcguffinism that i think didn't really pay off in the way i wanted it to or i think they wanted it to but it didn't shortchange any of the action i think the stunts were all pretty fun you know ray fine's still not very believable as an action hero but it worked because you know the, the you know the gentleman um i mean he's a great voldemort but i don't see him doing karate if you know what i'm saying um but he had a great supporting cast a lot of fun Great costumes, great action scenes. Uh, held you. It, it, it could have been. It could have been shorter. A lot of these movies now feel like they have to be over two hours. I think that that's that's reckless and irresponsible. Um, make a movie that's an hour and a half or an hour and forty five minutes. It doesn't have to. Be, every movie doesn't have to be two hours and fifteen minutes. It doesn't. I promise. I promise. You're not gonna make me feel like I've got my money's worth just because I sat in the theater longer. Um, you know, tell me a good story and I'll feel like I got my money's worth. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of new movies that come out. They're two and a half, three, three and a half hours long, uh, and you get nothing out of them. There's no character development. You don't remember anything about it. And then there's movies that are, yeah, 85, 90 minutes long, and you're like, oh, I know everything about these people. Yeah. This is my guy. This is this. I went on an adventure like Surf Ninja. Surf Ninja can't be any longer than 90 minutes. I could talk this entire episode about Surf Ninjas. Velvet Santa asked if they did a cover of Rasputin by Boney M. And no, there was no rah, rah, Rasputin, Russian's famous love machine. No, there was none of, none of that, unfortunately. Could have been really cool, but um, 
Velvet Santa. Titanic could have been 15 minutes long. Now it took longer for the ship to sink than that. So true. Had to be at least a half hour. Uh, but anyway, uh, Kingsman. It's it's in movie theaters right now. You don't. You absolutely do not need to see the other Kingsman movies. In fact, it probably you probably enjoy it more if you've never seen any of the Kingsman movies. Started with this one and then moved forward. I think that that's a more natural progression of the story. Mm. Um, just because the tone of the films evolve and change uh, from the first two to this prequel. So there you go. Um, it's in theaters right now. It's you know it's out there. It's making money. Um, I'm sure we'll get a sequel. Uh, it, it's not breaking any records or anything because duh, you've got you've got three juggernaut movies in in the theaters at the same time. So what are you gonna do? Um, there you go. All right. I didn't see The Matrix. I did. And uh, let me tell you, you did see it. You saw it years and years ago when The Matrix came out. Because The Matrix Resurrections, uh, for at least the first full hour, is The Matrix. Repeated. (laughs) Again. And uh, the only differences there is that they throw in lines about how... uh, Neo is now a game designer and The Matrix is a video game and he said he would never go back to The Matrix because now he's making the new, um, you know, whatever video game, the next hot game. But Warner Brothers, the parent company of this video game company, uh, comes down on him and says they have to make more Matrixes uh, despite the fact that Keanu Reeves said he would never go back to The Matrix. I mean... Thomas Anderson. How how meta is this? It is. uh, It is exactly very much so. Yes, uh, it is meta. The movie and the whole thing is they have lines in it about how uh, people like. Well, the Matrix is a video game in this, and it has the story of the first three Matrix movies contained within the video game of the Matrix trilogy video games, and. they're like, oh, well, people said this about it, and people said that. People said it was a Jesus story. People said it's about trans uh, whatevers and stuff. Like, they just call themselves out and their product. Uh, in the movie. In the movie, yes. There are explicit lines about that, uh, as if uh, Wachowskis were like, oh, we didn't really like that um, Path of Neo video game. Um, you know, enter the matrix or whatever. They're like, kind of really made us upset because it wasn't us and people liked it better than the movies. So let's just shit on it for, for two hours. And they're like, I like that idea. Uh, so they do Jumping that. Jumping shark, man. Yeah. They, they talk about all the fan theories uh, and, and how they hate all of it. Uh, it's just basically the whole thing is just excessively meta and then at one point they get into the matrix and there's these uh, raggedy nasty people and they're like oh the fans yeah exactly they're like oh the leftovers from the old matrix get out of here no one wants you around uh and that's the whole and then one of them just starts shouting out at them uh how because there's a new matrix now right the matrix was re-uploaded and things changed so that's why the characters that you would remember aren't there anymore because they were purged with the old matrix it's like a south park episode really like where they get rid of officer barbrady and like get out of here barbrady south park doesn't need you anymore and in in the in the show they're meaning south park the town but they're explicitly saying south park as in the tv show doesn't need that character they do the same thing here but those characters there's one that leads them and he yells at them 
It's your fault, Neo, for this new matrix where there's texting and Wikipedia and Facebook and movie reboots and sequels. It's all your fault. <laughs> like, they straight up say this. And uh, they uh, he calls them at the end because he skitters off at the end, right? He doesn't get killed. And he refers to all the characters in the new matrix as a sequel franchise spinoff uh, and just, like, hisses at them and runs away. Um that's kind of the whole time you're sitting there and then it's neo's journey to be saved for the first half and then his quest to rescue trinity for the second half and um all it is is just an excuse for but them isn't that what happened in the first one yeah so why isn't lawrence fishburne in it Oh, uh, because he stayed alive as mayor of um, Matrix Town. Yeah, of the of the city where the humans lived and did their orgies. Oh, the rave scene. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he stayed to be mayor of that because humans and, and so he didn't tap back in. Yeah, yeah. So he he just died from growing old because this takes place sixty years after Matrix Three. So. Okay, but when they're in the pods with the shit in their head, yeah, does that keep them alive forever? Uh, the robots reconstructed Neo and Trinity. Oh, so they got nano. They got the things like in Futurama, the yeah, little worms. Yeah, yeah, kind of. Uh, the Matrix doesn't work without Neo and Trinity, and you have to have both of them for some reason. Or uh, it's super dumb. Um, and it's just the Wachowskis talking about themselves and being self-referential and calling out fans um, for liking the Matrix. McLean says because he was the only plot of the Matrix online games that anybody liked. I forgot Matrix Online existed. Uh, Path of Neo is the good one. Uh, or uh, the Enter the Matrix, whichever one was on uh, GameCube, PS2. Remember era. when everything had to be an online multiplayer game? Like MM. Memorpagers, yeah, it became a thing. And but they do explain the uh, the new um, Agent Smith and the new Morpheus and why they're not those actors. Well, what about Agent Smith? I thought he was just a bunch of code. Yeah, exactly. And they recode him, and now so is Morpheus. And they recode him, did yeah. him. It's dumb. Uh, I mean, uh, so I've heard some. I've heard some good things. I've heard some people that really liked it. It's and, a clip show, though. The first half of the movie is a clip show of the the old movies. They're just like, oh, remember this? And then it's like, it's either literally projected in the background. It's like, this is scenes from your video game that's actually real life. Uh, or there, it's Neo in his head seeing the things happen. Whoa. Yeah, so it's a clip show uh, and self-referential call-outs. But that's the whole movie. That's the entire thing. And then it turns into uh, the Fast and Furious where... Um, so was it better than the other, like the part two and part three? It is better than two and three. Okay. Because that's what I've been hearing. Everybody's like, well, it was better than two and three. But here, herein lies the turd milkshake and turd sandwich <laughs> conundrum. Per, about 2% of this movie, you need, episode, need to have watched two and three to really get what's going on. Because there is a guy that's like an architect. Uh, there's a new architect, right? Mm -hmm. And the key master's doors show up, but there is no longer a key master. Uh, Adam says they took some risks. Most reboots don't. Elaborate. Yeah, but the, I mean, it's a very, very soft reboot. 
like they basically straight they tell you it's a reboot they do the thing that we we talk about on this show where they're like oh we're gonna get made fun of this but if we make fun of it first then, then it's, we're, it's we're canon and no one criticism. can say anything that's you sit through that for two hours because you're like well this is stupid and they're like hey this is stupid and you're like oh well yeah they know uh, and that's it. I mean, they straight up call out Warner Brothers. They talk about how they're doing it for money. And then they're like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, reboots are dumb. Sequels are stupid. Uh, trying to continue dead franchises. Who would ever do such a thing? And <laughs> you're in the middle of one. So, yeah, they say all of it so that you can't uh, complain about it. Hmm. Well. But, I mean, almost everything's better in Matrix 3. Uh, but I mean, you have to have known what happens in two and three for this one to make sense, but they do enough flashbacks and kind of ride it well, off enough. Yeah, it that, sounds like, I mean, even in the trailer, there's flashbacks. I'm yeah. Like, Geez, how much of the movie's flashbacks? Yeah. 30%. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, there's enough of it that you can piece together what the deal is and then just not care. The Matrix is the deal. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, if you're bored. But I wouldn't go out of my way. Well, okay then. Um, all right, Matrix Resurrections in theaters right now. I'm probably going to go see it as well. We'll check it out. See what, see what I think. I'm sure you know. I, I'm I'm going in with very low expectations. You know, yeah. I never I never thought that the original Matrix was that mind blowing. You've heard my tangents about it. Oh, they make um, fun of Bullet Time. Everything like they make fun of it. Well, they have to because the audience is going to and they have to beat the audience to the punch. And and the, here, I'll just go ahead and ruin it. If you don't want to hear it, turn your volume down for the next 5 seconds. All right, on 3, 2, 1. At the end, uh they say Neo and Trinity can't be separate and the two of them both become the one. Uh Trinity has flight, Neo has telekinesis, uh and together they are Captain what, Planet. What makes it work? Captain Matrix. Yeah. Cool, dude. Um, well, all right. There you go. And we're back. And we're back. Um, Velvet Santa says, remember the Bullet Time Chili's commercial? Uh, I don't, actually. I don't. I mean, just. they. Well, uh, so someone said something about the. ribs? Did uh, have anything to do yeah, Velvet Santa said something about the Nokia phone from the first movie. So in this one, they explain why they don't need phones anymore. Uh, the, the whole payphone thing, because the new Matrix has been uploaded. Where we have See, I hate it when movies do that, where they break their own rules because audience are too dumb. They go, well, uh, actually, we did this in this world, so now you don't have to do that. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and the thing about if you were making a, a competent sequel, a comp, a real competent sequel to The Matrix, you know, and, and everyone's stuck in a, like a VR loop of time, then technology probably wouldn't progress in the same ways as it does in our real time because our real time is not our real time it's real time that's manufactured of us to stay stagnant and not creative and not possess uh technology to overthrow our evil machine overlords so have the pay phones bring the old shit back because that's what the robots would have wanted and if you're going to build this world don't make it fit our world and because our world is not that i don't want to go to the fucking movies to watch what i see outside i don't want to see you know the assholes on instagram and the matrix where i want to leave assholes on instagram to go watch the matrix not go watch assholes on instagram in the matrix like fuck that i'm um, sorry i'm getting mad i didn't even see the movie but i hate it when i hate i hate that shit yeah all right so adam brought up something that um i didn't really get into they let programmed 
be people. So now programs can choose to be good and they can take a physical form in the real world, kind of like in um, that Terminator, the last of the Genesis, where John Connor's like all of the micro things. It's kind of like that, where they just walk around as a bunch of balls held together by magnets to make a physical form. Humans and robots are friends, but robots had an inner fight with each other. So there's evil robots and good robots. And now all the robots have, they're like, kaiju and they're like butterfly soft robots and they purr and whir and they like to hug people uh and there's <laughs> what yeah and there's a little walking stick skitter bot like in fantastic beasts that's just there to give nucks to a guy in one scene like they have like robot groots mm-hmm. yep so robots and humans became friends after Neo died in three, and it lasted for a few years. Like, until sorry about trying to, like, I don't know, use you guys as, like, perpetual energy sources by sucking your juice out of the back of your head. But yeah. let's hug. Yeah, so there was, an, there was a civil war between robots, and some are good and some are bad, and there was peace for a while. But the robots kept enough millions and millions of humans to have a superhuman battery farm still. It's dumb. I told you it's dumb. I, I, I was keeping back how dumb some of it really is. It's stupid. Uh, don't waste your time. There we go. There's the real one. <laughs> There's the real review. If you're bored, it's there. But all right, I'm still gonna go see it because that's what I do. I'll yeah. give it. I'll give it a benefit of a doubt. I don't know. Maybe I'll come back and disagree with you. I don't know. Probably not. But we'll see. Uh, but. I need to talk about Licorice Pizza because we only have about 15 minutes left in the show. Uh, Licorice Pizza, of course, the new Paul Thomas Anderson movie um, written and directed by PTA, as he do. Um, This one definitely a bit of a departure from some of his other uh, previously known darker movies. I mean, you know, he he does kind of like the 1970s, um, but, you know, a lot of his movies deal with darker tones. And if they're romance or love, it's like, like Punch Drunk Love. Not necessarily the most happy of of love movies, um, you know. Boogie Nights. You got uh, There Will Be Blood. These these Boogie Nights is probably the best love movie for sure. That's it's a pretty good one. But uh, but this one also kind of an interesting choice from um, Paul Thomas Anderson to cast two people in the lead roles that are not actors, up and comers, as I'd say. Uh, one of them um, previously famous. It's uh, Alana Haim playing. Alana in the movie, and she is one of the sisters of the um, the pop uh, trio Haim, which her sisters are also in this movie, playing supporting characters as her sisters, uh, which was actually really interesting uh, to watch, and she is great on film. She's very, very awesome, uh, nails the character. And then you have Cooper Hoffman playing the co-lead, Gary, who is Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. Um, and, uh, you know, again, another breakout role for him uh really really interesting film that is a not necessarily a love letter to the 1970s but it is a weird love letter to love and you know it is a is it's a coming of age movie and the best way that I can really that I've found to describe this it's a coming of age movie that no one really comes of age in because the movie is all kind of about <coughs> Everyone's relationship with aging, everyone's relationship with age and time and 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 growing up or refusing to grow up and just what it's well, I mean, it's yeah, it's very hook like. I mean, you are in Neverland, which is which is Los Angeles, California in the 1970s. You know, the main character is trapped in this world. I mean, he's like a 15 year old boy who's, 
you know, kind of aging out of being a child actor, but he's a constant hustler. He's been a hustler since he was a kid working in the business. And so he starts taking on all these weird side hustles like selling waterbeds and eventually the crescendo of the movie, he opens up a pinball arcade, which is kind of an interesting storyline because in the 1930s through 50s, uh, there was a lot of uh, pinball being banned all around the country. And it wasn't until 1974 that pinball was legal in California for a while. And there was some Supreme Court, uh, I'll, I won't bore you with the with the uh, history of pinball but very much related to this this main character in a weird way um but one of the things that this movie does really interestingly that it's actually starting to get a little flack for is turning it's a bit of a lolita tale except for it's gender swapped and in in a world where everyone can't get enough of gender swapping this is a gender swap that kind of like makes us question the way we accept gender roles and accept certain things and certain storylines with male and female characters because in this movie Alana's like 25 and this kid's like 15 and for most of the movie it doesn't really make any difference until you really kind of start thinking about the duality of the worlds of which they're trapped in and they eventually bridge together from and um, it, it, it makes this really engaging story about a bunch of characters that are really doing nothing except for existing in this time of transitionary period of when you're a kid when you're supposed to be adult or when you're thinking you need to be an adult but you really just want to be a kid and these two worlds kind of <laughs> why'd you look at me why, <laughs> why, i don't know why'd you look at me uh, said that i don't know but um but it but it, it but it handles some really delicate thematic elements with with a a, 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 a really intentional carefulness that I think has been lost on a lot of people, you know, I, 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 you know, because I saw it, it's like popping up in my news feed and it goes, the uh, National Association of somebody who's going to blow a whistle on it wants this movie banned from being eligible for any awards or anything because the age gap is disturbing and there is, there is racism towards Asians. And it's like, he made a movie about the 1970s and one of the characters, I mean, if you, if you go back and if you're into food history, like I am, the 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 rise of the uh, Asian American Asian restaurant, Japanese and Chinese restaurants, and then from the 1950s to the 1970s, where uh, this food became uh, popular in a sort of gimmick way. It wasn't even until the like like late 80s, early 90s, when Japanese cuisine actually became something that people took seriously in the United States. But you go back into the 70s, and there's a couple of scenes where this restaurant owner speaks in an incredibly insensitive tone that's so cringy like everybody in the theater is like going oh because he's going oh what you say and you're just like oh oh god it's so bad but the reason we feel that way is not because paul thomas anderson's trying to be a racist or anything he's trying to draw attention to why this is wrong and this is something that really happened and he's making light of a time in history that was bad and showing us that yes this is cringy and this is bad but this is why and and you know it, it it's i think it's important to not just scrub out things that that we think are problematic but to draw attention to them for their pros and their cons understand their cons and understand that they were also a thing that happened in this world and um the the the, the movie it, it's hard to follow the plot of this movie because it's like being a kid this movie is very much about like the adventures of youth you know, there's all these little subplots and sub characters and little stories that come in, but it's kind of just like running around town with your homies when you were a kid and the crap that you'd get into, and you just 
couldn't stop watching it. And, um, you know, one of the things that I really liked was like the theme of running. Like Paul Thomas Anderson's really good with visual thematics, and there's a lot of running in this movie. And the main characters are, are always running to and from certain things until like a final scene where they're running at each other, and it and it and it makes it makes everything make more sense. And you know, it makes those 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 other scenes have have intention which is something that a lot of movies like Matrix and Spider-Man and Kingsman and Man-Man and Matra-Man and all this shit don't have. It's just scenes that make you feel good, and they're not really building towards anything to make you feel or think, and this movie is all about a buildup of making you think and making you feel, and and I really liked it. You know, I mean, you, you I walked out of this movie... In, in a movie about, you know, fart jokes and teenage shit, thinking about life. And um, and that's why Paul Thomas Anderson is such a good filmmaker. And I think that everybody that thinks that this movie needs to be banned because there was a couple of racist jokes and um, some age gaps between the two main characters didn't watch the movie and didn't understand the movie that they were watching. Um it, it got tickles because Velvet Santa said, and man on man, man. And man on man, man. Yeah, that um, one's the one that's going to get the ban. The ban hammer goes down on. Yeah. Uh, Elise says, clearly a critique on racist men of the time, going back to the character that was very insensitive. And, and yes, it was very much a critique. It's like, this is wrong. We're not celebrating it. We're not laughing with him. We are much, very much sympathizing with the Asian character on the screen and our uncomfortableness of what's happening on screen, which as an audience teaches us and reaffirms why this is wrong uh but we can also laugh at it and humor is the best teacher i've been saying this for most of my life um is that if we can all laugh about something together it means we're all going to learn something together um let's see mickey rooney at breakfast at tiffany's bad oh yes but with breakfast at tiffany's that was intentional that was bad bad not done because they want to, you know, make fun of Asia. You know, they were making fun of Asians and needed to cast a white guy to do it because they weren't casting Asians at the time. And so that was like bad, bad. Um, that they weren't in on their own joke. Um, let's see. Uh, enjoyed the ping pong nature of love and jealousy and boundaries and suspense. Uh, uh, yes, there is. There is a couple of really interesting scenes about, um, you know, nudity and and sexual. Um, you know, uh, objectification of, say, Alana. There was it's a really interesting scene where they're looking over this newspaper and it was showing all these now playing things and it was like all these skin flicks of the time, you know, um, in the in the nineteen late sixties and early seventies. There was a lot of that kind of stuff, you know, reefer madness and sort of the reefer madness ain't got naked tetas in it. I know, but you know the the theme reefer madness where it's like oh everybody's about like sex and love and showing titties and bikinis and you i mean you just watch old episodes of laugh in and all the chicks are wearing like bikinis in the in the in the i mean that was you look at austin powers for fuck's sake i mean it's just you know but but um but it, it, it draws these to the, the front and center of the story, but then backs off with a little bit of a 2020 eye without going full on 2020 eye. And I don't know. It was very, very smart. Uh, Vince says it's kind of like in if, films. if we don't study history, we are doomed to repeat it. 
Absolutely. And I feel like we're on this really bad trajectory with media being film, music, and well, maybe not so much music. I don't know why music still gets a free pass of doing whatever. Um, but movies particularly have been really under fire and criticism for can't do this, can't say this, can't cast this, can't blah, blah, blah. You know, um, and if we if we just completely... Uh, um, censor every bit of of creativity that some of these artists have, then we're all just going to get Marvel movies until we're dead. And I think that that's a terrible, terrible place to be. Um, uh, Velvet Sands says, Smoking the Bandit 3 did. I'm assuming had titties that we were talking about, <laughs> going, back, <laughs> going back to titties. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that this, this, this was a, a, a wonderful movie. Um, I... I it, was a, it was a little long, but it didn't feel like it. I, wa- I was ready to keep watching it you know you had a lot of uh, you know sean penn and tom waits and you know you had uh bradley cooper you had all these people coming in and playing little uh um small roles who's the guy in step brothers um not will ferrell but john c Riley. john c Riley. you'll like this there was a tiny and i, I don't even think he was credited but i I, I, I can spot my actors. Um, John C. Riley played a, a Herman Munster impersonator uh, in one scene, and uh, I thought, I mean, you'd appreciate Herman that because you like Munster liked, impersonator. He was he was he was Herman Munster. Oh man, uh, it was if, pretty fun. If they start making Munsters toys, oh, you like gotta this, get all those. I gotta have them. And if they have a Dracula and the Munster coach, need it. But. It's it's an interesting movie set in it's it felt very seventies. I mean, from waterbeds. My parents had a waterbed, you know, pinball machines. Um, oh, Vince says he was in it. I checked. See, I know, I know, I knew it was him. Just for like a split second over there, being like, "Yeah, I'm Herman Munster." Um, I actually think I have an Eddie Munster voodoo doll. It's not a voodoo doll. It's a little werewolf doll. Yeah, his doll um, he carried with him everywhere. Um, I think I have that around somewhere, but I'm not going to look for it tonight. Um, yeah, I think everybody needs to see this movie. If it's if it's showing at your local Cineplex, go check it out. Go support something that's not shooting lasers out of its butt. You know, like please go go watch a movie that's about that's a drama about characters and a time and you know um and with with actors you don't know i think that was kind of the coolest thing about it i'm pretty sure all these little tertiary uh parts with sean penn and um bradley cooper were just to get idiots into the theater you know um because really you like your up-and-comers man i do like my up-and-comers damn it um yeah so uh I could talk more about this movie because it's Paul Thomas Anderson and I really like his movies and I wish he'd make more of them, but um, I'm really surprised that this was in theaters, to be quite honest with you. Um, It's not a theater movie. It's not going to get you to put your shoes on. Um, And uh, as Elisa says, indulge in some art and cinematography. It was delicious. It was delicious. I mean, a theater movie like The Matrix, all it was was like... 50 cuts for like one person to pull a gun out and point it and shoot it and then someone else to dodge it and the and the action knit was not big screen worthy you know mm-hmm. it was very tv movie ish yep. kind of a thing so yeah i mean watch something like that well They're, adam adam asks if it's at the amc it's actually playing at both the amc and the malco this week i don't know they've expanded it recently because it, be, it it's been picking up steam and mm-hmm. getting popular because it's been out for and a little I think while that this this week may be your only week i don't know um but definitely check it out um as elise said this is another oh this is another good point that she brings up um 
and they were not conventionally attractive. None of the actors, even, you know, Sean Penn, a handsome dude, but not conventionally attractive. Tom Waits, most certainly not known for being an attractive man. And Alana and Cooper were both very natural and this like acne was out like everyone in this movie was ugly as fuck except for bradley cooper <laughs> yeah, well, and, and they didn't doll him up either he was playing uh he was based on a real life character or a real life guy but you know they everything just felt very natural and very real and um it had it had hot kid it really had hot. <laughs> yeah, someone saying ask if Clint Howard was in it too. Like, did someone say not conventionally attractive? <laughs> mm, someone called Clint Howard. Yeah. Um, and Vince is pushing for that tier three up and comers emote. That's that's what we need, and we need the up and comers. All right, I'll delete the speaker box since nobody knows what it is, and I'll make a new emote. Dang it! <laughs> Means I gotta get on Photoshop and do a little micro bullcrap just for Vince. Um, <laughs> And Vince says Clint Howard was so cute as no, a kid. He no, he wasn't. Watch was the not. Star Trek episode where he's in it and he was cast because he's such because a weird he's so looking. so ugly. Yeah. No. Well. She's going straight for the full-blown ugly. Gosh. Yeah, he was. Uh, all right. Well, let's do a quick box office roundup before we end the show because we got to get out of here. Um, you know what? Clint Howard looks so weird. They put him in the uh, Fist of the North Star live action movie and, like, said that he was one of the Wastelanders or had gotten punched in the face by Kentro and lived or something. And like it was that. just him. It was just him. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Clint Howard. But hey, what an empire he's built. Hey, yeah. <laughs> uh, what an up and comer. Um, all right, let's go through this really quick. Number 10, 83 from Reliance Entertainment, bringing in $1.6 million in its opening weekend this weekend. Number 9, Encanto, bringing in $1.8 million in its fifth weekend release, bringing in $88.1 million at the box office. Number 8, Licorice Pizza, uh, in its fifth weekend release, but it is only in 786 theaters. It has expanded from five theaters to 786. So, um, it's it's still not in a lot of theaters, but it is here in two of those theaters. So check it out. Uh, it brought in $1.9 million um, up against a, uh, a relatively low budget, but it's brought $3.2 million so far back to the box office. Number seven, a journal for Jordan bringing in $2.2 million in its opening weekend for Sony's Pictures Entertainment. Number six, West Side Story hanging in there in its third week with $2.8 million, bringing in a total of $23.9. Number five, American Underdog. Uh, from Lionsgate, bringing in 5.8 in its opening weekend. Number four, opening again, uh, The King's Man, $5.9 million, um, but it had a holiday weekend bring because it got that early release, so it got $9.5 million so far total. Uh, number three, Matrix Resurrection, bringing in 12 this weekend, but with the holiday extended early release, it brought in $22 million at the box office. Number two, Sing 2 brought in $22.3 million this weekend, but with the holiday extended, uh, it brought in $39.5 million at the box office. So far, total. And then... Again, for the second week in a row, as no one was surprised by, Spider-Man uh, 9, all the Spider-Men, bringing in $84.5 million at the box office. So far, bringing it up to $470 million domestically, almost another $500 million uh, um, in the worldwide market, bringing it into the nearing the billion-dollar mark there so uh, a lot of money for laser hands and um i think that's telling of where we are i'm surprised that kingsman was that low yeah only uh, number four yeah that it did worse than 
uh, Matrix. Matrix. Yeah. By a lot. Sing 2 I get because it's a kid's movie or whatever, and they've been advertising it for like two and a half well, years. Well, kid's movies on a holiday break are always yeah. a surefire bet. Uh, Vince said he went back to Andy Griffith's show for Clint Howard being a cute little boy. I think you're thinking of Ron Howard. Ron Howard was the child in Andy Griffith's show. Yeah, that's Opie. I don't remember Clint Howard. Uh, he might have been in there, but Clint Howard was the crazy looking no, kid Clint, in No, Clint Trek. Howard was in a few episodes of the Andy Griffith Show. I remember because I watched the Andy Griffith Show constantly as a child because my mom liked the Andy Griffith Show. And so uh, every morning uh, when I was getting ready for school, it'd be on. And I, you know, uh, I just I just grew up. And it was always, it was on. It so was what we're saying, on. though, is that at some point between Star Trek and now, there was a phase where he was in Andy Griffith where he was like, oh. Look at that. Kid. No, it was before Star Trek. Oh. Andy Griffith would have been before Star Trek. Andy Griffith's like super old. Hmm. That's black and white, bro. Yeah, but he was like a tiny child in Star Trek. Whatever. Don't matter. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Um, Always had a sandwich. He was the jug head of whatever town Andy Griffith lived in. Mayberry. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Uh, anyway. All right, guys. That's it. We're out of time. Thank you for tuning in. It's been an hour. It's been a lovely hour. It's been a fun. Whoa, Vince with a huge comment here. Adam Vince. Look at this. Casablanca, quiet man, singing in the rain. Smokey and the Bandit, 40th anniversary. What? what? I got to go see Smokey and the Bandit. Whatever happened last to Baby time Jane? they did a giveaway. Of Wrath the, of Khan uh, director's cut? Well, you know I'm there. Poltergeist? Oh, shit. That's where I'm going. He's the, the night to kill a mockingbird. The night. It's a wonderful life. Man, I watched that for Christmas, and I forgot how funny that movie uh, can be. Uh, biggest news for me, though, January 17th, Betty White, 100 years young birthday celebration. That does sound awesome. Betty, Betty White, White hundred turning is, 100. Uh, super badass. She's but, older uh, than sliced bread. Wrath of Khan is where I'm going to have to be. Uh, Dude, I'm pretty pumped about Poltergeist. I know you won't go see that with me, but I want to go see Poltergeist. I'll be watching Wrath of Khan. You didn't move the graves! Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, what's his name is in that old, uh, 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 the guy. The, he's in Conan the Barbarian. He's the king that gives him money. Movie? He's Brewmaster Smith. He's uh, Poltergeist. He's the, uh, he's one of the dudes. Talking one about coach? The, one of the priests. No, you're thinking about Poltergeist 2. Uh, uh, why can't I remember his name right now? That's Paul, you're thinking about Poltergeist 2. There's no priests in Poltergeist 1. The guy that goes around the door being like, uh, and he's the creepy, yeah. I don't know. Anyway, we're out of time. We'll think about it later. Um, no more comments because we're just going to get distracted for the next 17 hours. But anyway, uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. Find us on the Facebook, the Twitter, and the YouTubes. You can always get these audio uh, downloads in podcast form wherever you download your podcast. Send us an email, like us, poke us, whatever the hell you got to do online. Tag us. Um, we love you too, uh, guys. Thanks for, for always being there with us. And we will see you guys next week. I, of course... I'm always the boom operator. And I'm the grip. And we'll see you guys later.